Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Cherie McFarland, CIO of HCA's West Florida region. In this segment, McFarland talks about the critical role that communication and collaboration have played in HCA's response to COVID, how CHIME is working to promote diversity and inclusion throughout the industry, and why she believes sometimes it's all about providing the right opportunity. I wanted to talk a little bit about what you guys did, but then get into, you know, where you are now. Sure. You know, at the very beginning, obviously, I mean, as a healthcare system, we're super organized. And so just the efficiencies that we have because of our economies of scale and our supply chain are unsurpassed, I think, Kate, in the industry. And, and as such a large healthcare system, the way we're organized at each division level, you know, the division president starts the COVID calls and um, each facility reports in. And one of the things early on my team did um, was build a tracking and reporting capability for PPE. And mm -hmm. so very early on, we appointed a PPE czar at each hospital, typically a nurse, and they were responsible for all the supplies for the hospital because we were finding like find a nursing unit and one hospital used 96 and 95s in one given shift and then another hospital used 25 and so what was the reason for the variation so we knew if we were going to get through this and not run out of critical supplies we needed to be able to to track it and nobody does measurement and tracking better than hca so my team worked diligently like one weekend it would have taken us probably six months in normal schedules to develop this but we did it in like less than four days. My development team worked with the division president, the chief nursing officer, and the chief administrative and financial officer, pretty much weekends at night at the kitchen table, nine o'clock on a Saturday night, and the supply chain CEO coming up with a tracking mechanism with the czars. And it ended up becoming a best practice the developers were able to release that application to corporate, which they were able to take it system-wide and enterprise-wide. And so over 10 of our 14 divisions were actually and are still actually using it. So early on, I think my team was called upon to be very innovative to figure out how we could help, not just at the facilities, but also with things such as PP&E. And that was remarkable. That was like early April into to May. And then it became really just a, a vigilance and working every day on conference calls. We have an app that was developed called Rhythm, which pulls from another self-developed app at HCA Corporate called Nate. And it literally feeds, I mean, I've got 47 tiles on this app and it's exclusive to HCA. And we're able to track all of our utilization statistics in one application, which is absolutely oh, fantastic. Wow. It'll tell you the number of PUIs. It'll tell you the number of COVID positives. It will tell you observations, statistics on every single facility, how many ER visits, how many N95s, K95s, how many masks were used, et cetera. So we've got tracking to an absolute T. It's absolutely been the difference between arming our executives with information at their fingertips. So they were able to know their own statistics, report on their own statistics, and be able to educate their workforce. And of course, communication and education became the key, obviously, during COVID um, and our ability to respond and, and also to work with our competitors. With the GE Command Center, we knew that we were having an influx from a nursing home. How could we work with um, our other facilities in HCA as well as our competitors to make sure that the community and the healthcare system that we were meeting the needs of our very sick people? And so I think that was the beauty 
just like the diversity and inclusion committee was everybody coming together for a common purpose and it was really purpose yeah. over task which was so critical and that's our carry imagine culture that dr chari has implemented in west florida i mean it shone through because it really became purpose over task and the silos yeah. were brought down and Ravi met with the, I call it the heads of the five families in Tampa, daycare, <laughs> all children's and Advent Health, Tampa General. Typically, the folks that we compete for patients on, we were cooperating, which was so lovely to see, Kate, um, healthcare yeah. coming together during that. So, and Sam Hazen is the CEO of HCA and he really led the charge. He went to visit Washington, D.C., and HCA donated um, lent ventilators to the federal government for, for New Jersey and New York. And just early on, the ability to participate in something bigger than ourselves, where the whole is more than the sum of the parts. So that was, yeah. I think, HCA on the global scales response. And then, you know, you bring that right down to the division level, the facility level. If you had seen the conference calls that we did every single day, the division president sits on his Microsoft tablet. They have about 200 people on the call. Everybody reports out from supply chain right through to pharmacy, right through to each of the facility executives. So everybody was coordinated, messaging consistently so that we understood our ability to cope and what our needs were, whether they were ventilators or masks or gowns or goggles or gloves, et cetera. So I think just that coordination is what sets HCA apart from so many others and our ability to be able to do that. Right, right. Yeah, that, that is really amazing, especially what you said about focusing on, on the task and, and the needs and not on uh, competition, which is not easy to do in, in healthcare. When you talked about the apps that were developed, to me that that's really is amazing to see what your team did. And can you talk about what it takes to foster that kind of innovative environment especially under difficult circumstances? You know, keeping people motivated and keeping them focused on a common purpose. And, and I think, you know, once you really have something bigger than yourself to focus on, um, I think mm -hmm. that becomes your, your rallying cry and your rallying point. I mean, no one complained, Kate, about working 100 hours that week. No one complained that they were at their kitchen counter at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday and 7 a.m. on a Sunday. Um, you know, was part of the PPE development team. It was all in. I think that's what really set this apart. And we do it again during hurricane. So I think we have a culture where that is the norm. Like a couple of weeks ago when we thought Laura was coming potentially to the Tampa Bay area, it was yeah. 4.30 on a Friday. We're all on a conference call. Everybody knows the drill. And so I think keeping people focused and motivated that you're here for the patient, the patient's safety, we have a higher and a more noble cause than anything that's an individual preoccupation. And fostering that culture and rewarding that culture of innovation and individual thinking within a, a larger context is so important to allow people to be innovative and to be able to share ideas and not to be afraid to fail or to make mistakes. It's like, okay, that version wasn't great, but let's redo it. We'll regroup tomorrow morning. Everybody go to bed for a little bit and take shifts and care for each other and cover it for each other and then give them a day off the next week to, to go do something fun. Well, in your garden, they couldn't go out anywhere. But. <laughs> 
And I think it's important as CIO leaders that we recognize um, the burnout potential because people are COVID weary and to make sure yeah. that you're, you're very tuned in and you're very emotionally intelligent. I love emotional intelligence because you've got to be tuned in to the needs of others as well as the way you are perceived. So we did a lot of things over the summer, such as ice cream socially distanced, where we had the IT directors bring in ice cream to the facility. We ordered lunch. I'm in the process of ordering beautiful polo shirts because we're not going to be able to have our picnic in person. I did a oh, number right. of all hands presentations. We do facility and division pride, where we have pictures of people with their masks on, socially distanced, going that extra mile for our patients because we're all caregivers. So I think it just really showing a lot of appreciation is so important. You know, when people are, are working long hours, they're scared, they're tired, they're overworked, they're worried about their kids going back to school and, and one parent maybe not working, an income etc. So I think that's the glue that the secret sauce that kept us all together was just showing a lot of empathy, concern, and keeping the team together to keep us motivated. So we've historically had some of the highest for many years, the highest. I think one division beat us by 1% last year, but I'm going to fix that. <laughs> um, employee engagement <laughs> right. scores. I'm not competitive. I'm very competitive, but employee engagement <laughs> is culture. I think is the most important thing any CIO can focus on. Technology is great, but that's all built on top of your culture. And I think if you get yeah. your culture right and you get your employees right, you get the right team and you celebrate. Most importantly, I learned this from my early days in New York City, celebrate your diversity and, and definitely focus on inclusion and, and have everybody's ideas, cognitive thinking, all part of the, of the solution is, is really the secret sauce for, for us in West Florida, at least. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because I really wanted to talk about some of the initiatives that Chime has. And I guess first, I want to get into Women of Chime and some of the initiatives happening there. But, but first, can you talk about like how this came about? Sure, absolutely. Well, it really, i got to give credit to Liz Johnston, who really started um, when she was the chair way back a few years ago. And really between, I would say 2015, Kate, and 2019, mm -hmm. we started to hold various networking events for the women of time. This started really as sort of like a grassroots initiative where people said, you know, I go into focus groups and I don't know that woman over there. Or I don't know this person. And we, the women of time really didn't know each other. And we're still I think the statistics are somewhere around 75% male, 25% female. We still know that the majority of folks in Chime were, were male. And so it was really nice when you could seek out other women. And, you know, I've been in Chime 25 years next year. I'm a life member oh, wow. as well as a fellow. And I always felt like many, many years ago, I was the only woman or handful of women that played in the golf tournament. And so we really didn't know each other. And so... It started really as grassroots, Liz getting folks together and with something as simple as, you know, a golf clinic and then painting and um, cocktail parties and afternoon teas and just getting to know each other and, and holding a couple of different events like receptions. And then we realized, you know something, this is a real need out there. The women of Chime have different needs. They have different requests for curriculum, for education, for opportunity. And so this is something I think we, we really need to, to take seriously. And, and then I became a member of the board. 
I'm in my third year and we're actually going to serve four years because of COVID. And so one of the things we talked about at one of our board retreats was the real need for a diversity and inclusion committee yeah. of which the women of time would be an integral and very important part. And so we convened the diversity and inclusion committee and it's chaired by, as you know, Cletus Earl. And so as a part of that, yeah. we launched the women of time. And so what we're currently working on right now is last year we held this before the fall forum and i think maybe if we'd had more time to advertise it after the strategic planning session in june we probably may have gotten even more participants but we had like 50 60 people on that sunday afternoon and and it was high in demand cletus and karina edwards ran the first session and the session that we had on women of time was very very popular and so it became obvious that we needed to do more. We needed to step up our game. And so Russ asked me if I would lead the Women of Chime. And so we're currently in the process. We've surveyed our membership that was sent out this year. And we're asking all kinds of questions on what are your education needs? What kind of virtual sessions are you interested in particularly? What educational topics of interest would be important to you? What does your organization currently offer you? Are you a mentor? What kind of things do you do for your brand, developing your own brand and dealing with different situations? How do you present to your board? So we've literally sent that survey out. We've got the results. We're working through those results. And currently, we're actually building a formal committee of women of chime, and it's going to be very diverse, all kinds of minorities represented, just to get us started, really looking at during this year's digital chime, what can we offer in terms of, of courses that are particularly of interest to women, and what events can we have that are of specific interest? And some people have even said they'd love a day before the forum just for the female CIOs and or their direct reports. So still working on a lot of the details for that. Nothing formalized yet, but it's so exciting that this is something that our membership is telling us is important to them. And then of course, yeah. the scholarships became a big focus for us this summer. If you'd like, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the importance of scholarships. Oh yeah, absolutely. We had a meeting probably sometime around May and we talked about being able to award scholarships to minorities and to, to women. And so Cletus and I came together. Originally, it was going to be two different committees, and we ended up realizing, you know, after a, a consult with a, a lot of different um, members on the Diversity Inclusion Committee, it's really one committee. And we went through all of the applications, and there were three broad categories, the C, as you're familiar with, the CIO Bootcamp mm -hmm. for CIOs and or their delegates, and then CISO, that's for information security officials, and then clinical informatics. And so the Prime Education Foundation, in conjunction with our committee, Diversity and Inclusion and Women of Chime Committee, was awarded $100,000 to give out in scholarships, both this year and $100,000 for next year. And so we sent out ask to the Chime membership, and it could be a Chime member or and or, you know, someone who wanted to apply for this in the healthcare industry and who wanted to get in. So we awarded over 20, I think it ended up 27 different individuals, full scholarships and some partial scholarships. And so the first round in July was nine CIOs for bootcamp, 10 for the CISO, and then six for clinical informatics. Um, then we went through a second round of that. And a lot of women, a lot of women minorities were applying and it was absolutely fabulous to see the need out there and the level of interest yeah. in the community, which as you know, I mean, that's how you unleash your organization's full potential. Yeah. It's 
when you have voices and input and participation from all of the different areas in the organization. And so being able to award scholarships like this gets a lot of people on the right path. Right. And I spoke with Cletus a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how there were certain opportunities that he had had. And it really hit me because he talked about how important that is and that his trajectory could have gone a different way. But it, it seems like that is so important to be able to provide opportunities. Definitely. I mean, I've got a break early in my career at Lenox Hill Hospital when the former director, vice president actually of IT resigned and the current director did not want to be the vice president. And I became the interim because I was working on the five-year strategic plan with Ernst & Young. And so, you know, you take advantage of opportunities like that and you say, hey, I may not be a technologist per se, but I'm a great organization development executive. I can harness the power of IT to run the business. And I want to step up and take advantage of this leadership opportunity. And then I'll tell Russ to this day, my involvement in Chime was what enabled me to have that professional development experience that set me apart from anybody else in the organization. And I was ready because I'd had the educational background as well as the opportunity through Chime to expose myself to literally concepts and professional development curriculum that if you weren't in a professional organization, you never would have had an opportunity with. And so that's why it's so important for me to offer this to to other women, to minorities, to get them. I was only in the country officially because I grew up in Belfast in the north of Ireland and I had emigrated once when I was 11 and I was picked out of a hat of children in school to come out of the violence in Belfast to spend time with host families. And then I came back and went to junior high school for two years. And so I was able to share in the American experience of education early on, as well as the British education system in the North of Ireland. And when I emigrated back permanently the second time in 19, end of 1987-88, it was that educational background and being a member of the American Society for Training and Development and then at Lenox Hill joining Chime back when I wasn't even officially a CIO yet that really enabled my career to take off and be able to take advantage of educational opportunities. So for me, it's so important that we offer scholarships. I do it with Rotary, with high school kids as well, so that we can further, everybody benefits when everybody's educated. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.